Welcome to Sicko and Ebert, a dicks only podcast. <laughs> Look, it's been a while since our last episode. Yeah. We've been we've been pondering about what to do about this writer strike situation and the actor strike situation. <laughs> we can talk about uh they said uh, podcasts shouldn't promote movies uh, that are affected by the strike. And it was really hard to decide if this movie that, uh, where I don't think anyone involved in it is still alive. <laughs> uh, and it's not available on any, uh, any release media, if that's okay for us to cover. So yeah, it if was you a think tough call. We're, we're scabs for, uh, for boosting this, for boosting Radioactive Dreams. 1985, then, um, another Albert Pune joint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't know. Like you can you can tell the you can tell the guilds and they can they can wag their fingers at us. I <laughs> this th- movie. there has been a I, I got a I got an email from our podcast provider. Oh really? that we have been selected for like Amazon's like film and tv podcast selection or whatever but i think they just like put in there like every podcast has that category because it was like i couldn't even find us like yeah. it just had like every podcast in there so uh, i don't think we're gonna get a huge boost from that yeah we'll see but, yeah yeah i mean look sometimes something gets the sicko and ebert bump and sometimes yeah. it doesn't and what never gets the sicko and ebert bump is sicko and ebert <laughs> so that's what you gotta remember. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wonder if like some like really unsavory people find us. Like, but I don't know how. Like, I this is like the least, the most controversial thing we said was that fucking Fort Fairlane was good. <laughs> like, there were people who were like, I can't tell if you were doing a bit or not. People are still coming up to me on the street and threatening me for saying that I was rizzed by the dice man. <laughs> I know. There was I don't think I told you about this, but like mm-hmm. uh I uh the thing that the dice man is currently up to, like yeah, I, I heard this on an episode of 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 YKS a while ago. Like, it was like maybe half a year ago or so. But like the thing he's currently up to is that he's on TikTok. Oh no. <laughs> and he does a bit where he walks up to strangers on the street and he's like uh Oh no, I'm busy. You can't take a photo with me. Like, he's like, he's acting as if the bit is that he's acting as if he were still a huge deal and everyone knows him. But the joke is that he isn't and all the people are confused by it. Like, it's a kind of like double ironic bit, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, that's what he's doing on TikTok. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him, was... or bad for him, maybe. I ain't thinking about all that. I had a terrifying vision, like, oh, no. right before we started recording. <laughs> um, I'm scared. I think, I think now, like, in this moment in history, mm-hmm. is the biggest chance there ever will be that Polly Shore gets stuck in the hood done. Because all these writers are striking. Yeah. And all these actors are striking. Mm-hmm. And from what I observed about, like, Paulie Short's current, I, I looked at his current Twitter, mm-hmm. and his current pinned video uh-huh. is a funny a funny sketch, or I don't know what he, no, I, I wouldn't call it sketch, it's like a... Paulie Short funny moment? Yeah, I don't even know what the <laughs> what the genre of this thing is, it's, uh, I mean, similar to the thing I said about the Dice Man, but somehow, like, 
much more pathetic is that he's like walking up the what's the genre of like walking up to strangers and bothering them cringe videos <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he was like walking up to he was at the he went to the strike mm-hmm. uh, the writer strike specifically I'm bracing and myself. he walked up to one of these striking writers mm-hmm. and he's like will you write for me will you write for me after it's done or maybe now mm-hmm. uh, and the guy on strike was like uh, I don't think so and he keeps being like will you write for Polly Shore am I scabbing now uh, and then the, the guy who's the writer just kind of laughs it off like he reacts in like a sensible way I guess as like it's the way you react when like a fucking when there's like when there's like a rude child at the family gathering, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're like it's not their fault right. that they're like this. <laughs> it's not Polly's <laughs> fault that he's like this. He doesn't know. <laughs> he was never taught better. No one is writing movies and no one is acting in movies. I I, I could see the studio's becoming, like, desperate. Like, you know how, like, Joss Whedon made uh, Doctor Horrible in the previous writer strike? Right. Like, I feel like this could be a case where, like, Pauly Shore makes Stuck in the Hood in the current writer strike. And all the people he wanted in the movie are also not actors, most of them. I'm thinking about this, and, like, on the one hand, it's realistic. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand... It's the worst thing I've ever thought of. <laughs> it's the worst thing I've ever been made to imagine. What is it? Like, is. I want to see if anything's changed on Polly's website, because it's been like a month. Yeah, that's true. I haven't looked at his last website time since we the looked, last time we it was. Me neither. Last time yeah. we looked, it was gone already. And that was like pre strike. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, what I does don't it say see now? it. It says. Projects, uh, YouTube, tour, Instagram, merch, bio. Okay, so his most recent Instagram post was like, what is this? <laughs> right? I don't know what you're looking at in specific on his Instagram, but that's... One of the, one of the recent Instagram things is like him going on like some podcast situation talking about like is it the elon musk and uh yeah jeff amazonic fucking jeff bezos well he doesn't seem to have anything crusty crew fan club is still under construction so um <laughs> yeah second note is not on his website anymore i i just oh okay he has the email addresses of his management and booking and uh, publicity person here. Um, He's got a big group photo uh, of a bunch of people I don't recognize, but also Chris Kattan. Yeah, that's what I was. Uh, yeah, that's is that what fucking I was Sammy Zayn up in like the corner? Who is? Rants. Who are these people? <laughs> I I don't know. I think we don't we don't know how long the situation is gonna go on, right? And it's gonna mm-hmm. get to a point where Hollywood is gonna get real desperate, like because they yeah. can't just agree to giving writers healthcare, I guess. Yeah. 
They can't they can't um, agree to um you know taking basic care of their employees. They they can't agree to doing the bare minimum. I'm having the most horrifying visions because the other thing that this track was going on was like actors saying you shouldn't use AI to replace us mm-hmm. uh, or dead dead actors and uh, fucking writers saying you shouldn't write our shit with AI mm-hmm. like a fucking Pauly Shore movie with like AI actors in it <laughs> I don't know Stuck in the hood with a fucking AI ice cube or whoever you wanted in it. I was gonna say, I feel like... I feel like that's something that Pauly Shore might try himself. He's just gonna fucking do it on his YouTube, yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, he doesn't understand it. He's gonna go to, he's gonna go to, like, um... What is it, fucking Autoduck or whatever... And, like, voice generate, you know, he's gonna... <laughs> Dave Chappelle. I think there's... Here's the possibilities I see, right? None the of them first are good. one is that he... No. Well, the, <laughs> the most harmless one is that he's just content doing his shitty stand-up. Oh, right. But, like, he just moved away from Vegas. Yeah. Like, he just moved to LA, so it feels like he wants to do something. <laughs> he moved to LA, and that's what caused the strikes. <laughs> <laughs> he moved back to LA to get back into acting right in time for the strikes to happen. You cannot force us to be in a band with Polly Shore. <laughs> I think it's either gonna be like that, or he grows really desperate. Like, like it's it's two possibilities, right? Either he grows desperate. And make some really shitty YouTube stuff, like the quarantine shit he did. Mm-hmm. Or the other option is that the studios get really desperate and get him to do, like, some shit that, like, striking actors wouldn't do. Yeah. And he'd say, um, I think he would say yes to it, because... Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to finish that sentence, because he's probably short. I mean, it might even happen that both of these... Uh, these happen because he can't stop doing shit. Like he, he can't say uh, no. He keeps doing his. Like that's why I'm really worried about the AI shit. Yeah, because he already he's already been doing those skits where he like pasted himself into mm-hmm. famous movie scenes mm-hmm. and did them worse. Yeah, he loves photoshopping his face onto other people without like any joke. Right. Like, I think he did that when Harry met Sally, like, orgasm scene, but I, I, we talked about this on the show. Yeah. He did that scene, but he didn't do, like, the funny part. He was just reacting mm-hmm. to Meg Ryan doing the bits. He... He's so strange. It, like, I feel like him either being involved in something or creating something with with AI isn't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And... Yeah. I... Okay. Listeners, we can start the bets now. I'm on... (laughs) I'm on team This Happens Before the End of 2023. I think we are going to see Pauly Shore do something um, either on his own or will be solicited to do something 
Uh, and we'll we'll have stories written about him uh, in media about being a scab um, before the end of t- this year. I'm so certain that's gonna happen. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at because I'm looking at the I'm just I'm just googled for Polish or news, <laughs> uh, and the most recent like actual article mm-hmm. written about him was like around when the Oscars happened. Okay. And it's basically about the headline is Paulie Shore is dreaming and hoping for his own Hollywood comeback. Yeah, and this... the angle on this is that Jimmy Kimmel made a shitty joke about like two Encino Man actors being nominated for Oscars, and uh-huh. kind of like uh, this must suck to be Paulie Shore. Yeah, th- yeah. I mean, look at the arc. Okay, we're we're seeing a story progression, right? He yeah. He has like a minor spike in public attention when he does funny Pinocchio voice. Yes. Um, meme, he, he briefly becomes a meme, but it's like, yeah. not about... What he doesn't realize is that nobody cares right? that the Pinocchio voice is Polly Shore. Right. They don't give they a shit. They don't know the who Polly Shore is. is funny. Yeah. No. Because um, everybody was born in 2009 at this point, and nobody... Born after two thousand and two, knows who Polly Shore is. So, so that happens, and then a year later, Jimmy Kimmel makes a joke. Um, Polly Shore hears it and says, "You know what? I got to do like my man Brandon. I got to go back yeah. to Hollywood. I need to get on my Paul Thomas Anderson shit." Um, if I and move he gets back a to brief... Hollywood, <laughs> he, he moves... gets a brief moment of attention here again. Because yeah. Jimmy Kimmel makes this sh- this joke on TV, and uh, Paulie Shore tweets about it, quote tweets it, mm-hmm. and he's like, kind of being a good sport about it, and he's like, uh, you know, I'm just proud of my friends, mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser and Ki-Hui Kwan, who mm-hmm. I guarantee you he hasn't talked to oh, no. in like 25 years. Oh god, no. No, so 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 Polly does this. Like sometimes he posts some shit on Instagram where like "Happy birthday to my buddy Brandon Fraser." Yeah, let's make uh, Encino Man two. Yeah, and he, the the photos he includes are always like behind the scenes photos from the nineties. Yeah, like, I don't he... think the two have met since then. Mm-mm. No, like, they have after they met in Son in Law, but like not after that. No, they Brandon Fraser had that one little tiny cameo in um in the army now. And that's the last right. time they saw each other in person. Um, I would also, if I'm I'm deadly serious here, Roy. If you forced me to <laughs> be in in the army now, I would break off all contact with you. <laughs> <laughs> I would never forgive your ass. I would get on a plane. I would renew my passport. I would go over to Europe. I would find you, and I would catch many <laughs> charges. Interpol would be on my ass, and they would be on my ass, it's but nobody, no court would convict me. So, so Polly, fucking Polly, he he reacts to funny Jimmy Kimmel, and he's yes. being a good sport. But you know, you know, deep down inside, he's going. He's that stings. Human. You know that stung. So, so he moves back to Hollywood. He says, "I'm going to get back into the acting game." I know Paul Thomas Anderson is waiting to ring me up. 
He moves back to Hollywood, gives up on Pauly Shore and the Krusties because nobody nobody wants to be in a band with Pauly Shore, not after Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> so he moves back to Hollywood right in time for the strikes to happen. This is fucking Jimmy Kimmel's fault. This is this is, <laughs> this is what I'm uh, what I'm landing at. Um, this is Jimmy Kimmel's the, fault. I think Jimmy. Actually, I think Jimmy Kimmel might be like a legit psychopath. Uh, <laughs> I think that I think that man has. If you look, if you look at him perform, <laughs> there's like no light in his eyes. <laughs> There's there's only like a cold dark empty soul staring back at you. I I heard the theory that I uh I now believe in is that back when the Moonlight Oscar scandal happened uh-huh. that uh that Jimmy Kimmel did that as a prank and he thought people would think that's hilarious but then it became a whole like um uh, fucking sim- symbolic uh, racial discrimination moment. And it was like, oh, it was someone else. Yep. You know what? I think you're completely right. Like, look at this man. He looks like he's been crying. This is what happens when you start your career on the man show. Yeah. Look at Adam I Carolla. Think if you're, if you're Jimmy Kimmel, no, Jimmy Kimmel is like nobody's favorite, like late night host. Like I think even fucking a lot of people fucking hated James Corden, mm-hmm. but I think even he had more like genuine fans than Jimmy Kimmel. If you're Jimmy Kimmel, God help you. If you're Jimmy Kimmel, you have no rights to punch down on Polly Shore. If you're Jimmy like, Kimmel, you have no rights. So you said this shitty joke about Polly Shore, and of course, people were like, when Polly Shore was like, haha, but for real, I'm happy for, for their Oscars wins. People were like, hey, yeah, Polly, we would love to see you back. And then he says in this interview here, uh, he says, um, I truly miss acting and miss being on set. Hopefully it happens. It's about just dreaming and hoping. People are always like, we want you back. Uh, which is, yeah, people in his echo chamber. Of, like, yeah, fucking yeah. His people mom. who were young in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Like, people <laughs> who were young in the 90s and, like, kind of stopped watching movies mm-hmm. after, like, Austin Powers came out. <laughs> Cinema died. With Austin. Like, never developed a taste. Like, I, I, I know people like this. Like, people from, like, my mom's generation. Who oh, are, yeah. Like, uh, you know, just fully checked out with, right. like, current culture. Right. Like, those people are like, we would love to see you back. Mm-hmm. Um, he says here, uh, the directors and the producers are the ones with the vision. Someone out there will say, you know what, we're going to do something you wouldn't expect. We'll put Polly in this role that no one expects. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. I know I'm going to get that call and get that opportunity. That's what it, it's about. So I think what this means is, you know, he clearly has, he says he respects the, he says the directors and the producers are the ones with the vision. Those That's are so the ones grim. who hate this fucking strike the most. Yep. That's so fucking grim. If there's just one producer. And there is one. Who is like, and maybe it's gonna be another fucking Pinocchio shit. 
maybe it's gonna be another like similar like yeah it's just fucking put him in like some russian animated mm-hmm. things dub and like maybe you hope to get get a viral moment again mm-hmm. i don't know that 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 clip of him like walking up to a writer was so pathetic like <laughs> i i just can't i can't express how sad it is like the fucking writer was just like minding his own business he's like holy shore is here and pointing a camera at me it's I can't imagine being Polly Shore in this day and age. There's nobody There's nobody who's going to understand. <laughs> there's nobody whose career has like done the same trajectory and who has the precise like unparalleled lack of awareness, you know? Yeah. It's like, I know he's going to end up, I know we're going to get Pauly Shore AI movie by the end of this year. I know it. And every time we talk about <laughs> Pauly Shore's current day, whatever project, his situation, I learn another thing that endears me less to him. And yeah. there's a part of me that says, this is this is this is doing nobody any favors but i know that the logical part of me is going we need this nobody nobody needs to have empathy for Polly shore it's fine you are not losing anything humanity is losing nothing by having by lacking empathy for Polly shore and you will see this by the end of 2023 when we get Polly shore ai movie yeah i mean it's 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 like a thing like that's why i said like the 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 Jimmy Kimmel thing as well is mm-hmm. that like that that Oscars clip like really crystallized how he has and this was a thing like ten fifteen years ago it was way more of a thing to have Pauly Shore as the punching bag right at this point it's like it's like too sad even for that like that's why right. the Jimmy Kimmel thing was so awful because mm-hmm. like. Like the way we talk about him, we're not like we're not like pointing and lolling at him, right? <laughs> we're not LMAOing or ruffling. Mm-hmm. We're like it's just really sad to observe. It is. But you also can't look away. Like we keep coming back to him. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm like rooting for him to Right. Get like a more dignified way out of this. Like I, I went on the fake website celebritynetwork.com. I don't think these numbers here are accurate. This says his net worth in current day is $30 million. Fuck no, it isn't. No, it's uh, not. I guess his mom, like, owned a stand-up thing. Yeah. Locale or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, apparently mm. his... Apparently, and I read this, I meant to bring this up when we were doing one of the last few episodes. Apparently his mom is the one who discovered Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Apparently his mom discovered, like, several people. I can't remember. Yeah, his mom was huge. Like, Mm -hmm. Shore was, like, a big figure in stand-up. Yeah. Um, Imagine uh, being a comedy Nepo baby. Because that's where Paulie's kind of at. There's another website that looks even more faker than Celebrity (laughs) Network. 
that claims that uh, booking a Pauly Shore show, like one of his like stand-up things, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, in in a range of fifteen thousand to twenty-five thousand dollars. No, it's not. But like he he just performs in the shittiest venues. Like there's no fucking way. There is no way. There's no way. Un- unless, unless Paulie Shore is like one big money laundering scam. <laughs> <laughs> it says here that, okay, but this was like today. The world's first like, money laundering scam with a central nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at his like tour dates. He's currently touring Ohio. Uh-huh. Um... Uh, doing stick with the dancing one man show. Mm-hmm. Then he has uh, a show in the comedy store in Los Angeles, which I think is was the one that his mom owned. Mm-hmm. And then he is in like Washington State for a bunch. Uh, I know he's coming to my neck of the woods of in them, October. For a couple of them, it says tickets sold out, dudes. Which I really don't know, like. What the- audience for this is yeah the this fucking I want to see how much the tickets cost here yeah, I mean if the capacity to, is yeah so general admission is $25 but <laughs> you can get and these are sold out there's sold out tickets for the uh, VIP stage seating two seat table for $100 um, four seat table for two hundred dollars, and there's something called Mitz's booth, okay, uh, which is also two hundred dollars. Like, I guess if you're fucking already like four people, your like general admission would be a hundred dollars for us. Let's get a booth mm-hmm. for two hundred. I just can't imagine like going to going VIP, getting VIP tickets for a Poly Shore. Show. Can you imagine? The kind of poly head you have to be. Can you imagine where your life has to be oh, for fucking... you to say, I'm going to spend so... 200 of my American dollars to get VIP tickets to Pauly Shore you in have... 2023? Imagine having like three, three people who go with you to the VIP lounge. Who are. I need to interview these people. I don't know what I don't know whose dick at Ticketmaster I have to suck to get this information, but I will, and I will find out who these people are, and I will get them on this podcast because I need to know who is doing this and why. I don't think they're real. I think it's money laundering. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's money laundering. <laughs> it makes so much more sense. And like, Polly wouldn't know. There's a show here. I need you. To, I need you to see this. Um. <laughs> gonna post oh this boy. here in the channel uh the event for this this is a show called so you want to open for Polly shore i wanted to send you this come see some of the best up-and-coming comedians perform on stage in front of Polly shore and his panel of judges look at this poster jetski johnson Polly shore and sandy danto these are all like fake people this is a nightmare this is like, who is that? This is awful. Who is that fun for? That, like, who is that enjoyable for to be there? 
Look at this poster. I know. No, but nothing in this poster looks like a good time. Polly looks miserable. <laughs> Sandy Danto looks miserable. Don Barris looks fake. Free refreshments and popcorn. Yeah, so there's a... I might use this for the for the episode there, just so everyone sees this. Uh, Please. It says, I want to open for Polly Shore, and the names of these, like, three people, like, two of whom I've never heard of. Uh, yeah. And then in the corner, there's this guy named Don Barris, who is like, who looks like a fucking, like, he looks like a DJ in the, like, shitty-ass, like, town hall, like, dance event. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> like, like, at, at our, like, like school graduation day, yeah. they <laughs> always got, like, this DJ who just played the worst fucking music and, like, always, like, he was the only one who was enjoying it, like, he was trying to yeah. go off. And... I had a temp job at the grand opening for a furniture outlet like 13 years ago and the DJ at that looked like this guy. That's that's who we're dealing with. This And it's invite only? Yeah. <laughs> How this dare is what you I mean when we when we say this is a money laundering scam like this is absolutely money laundering. There's no way. There's no way this is anything but money laundering. This is insane. Um. Yeah, I... What the fuck? Okay, I... What the fuck is this? So... What is Jam in the Van? I googled the name Jetski Johnson, right? Right. All I got is someone named Jesse Johnson, whose artist name is, I guess, Jet Ski, but, like, as the word. But, like, it's spelled differently on the poster than everywhere else, like, on her Instagram and shit. Um, this is, yeah. Yeah, she seems to be... Okay, she's from Austin. I know people there. <laughs> yeah, I know Austin. This is... Like... I think if you're, like, an up-and-coming comedian, like, a young comedian, and you're co-hosting, so you want to open for Polly Shore, like, it's done. You're done. <laughs> That's it. You're never gonna get your start in comedy. Like, nobody who... Nobody will respect you. Mm-mm. You can't put that on a resume. Yeah. You put that on your resume if you don't want to get hired. Anyway, we've we've been talking a lot about shit that is in this movie we're gonna talk about. Um, Miserable. Radioactive Dreams. Radioactive Dreams. Can we please talk about Radioactive <laughs> Dreams? Directed by Albert Pune. Starring such heavy hitters as John Stockwell. <laughs> Michael Dudikoff, uh, John Stockwell as Philip Chandler, Michael Dudikoff as Marlo Hammer, Michelle Little as Rusty Mars, Lisa Blount as Miles Archer, Don Murray as Dash Hammer, and of course, George Kennedy as 
Spade Chandler. <laughs> the the late great George George Harris Kennedy Jr. This movie is I don't have a word for what this movie is. This movie kind of rocks. Yeah. Um Here's my thing with Albert Pune, and we'll get to this in more detail. But the thing, I think the main thing that keeps me from saying um Albert Pune goaded, mm-hmm. and this is ju- this might just be a matter of taste, is that this man cannot go a full movie without putting an entire ass music video into it. <laughs> he had like five consecutive full music videos. It in was it. yeah. The whole movie is like it feels like you're watching like an extended music video from mm-hmm. a like new wave band f- mm-hmm. from a different universe yeah <laughs> like this movie feels the title is very appropriate because i've been thinking about this this movie feels like a dream i barely remember yeah like it's it's like so hard to like get your grasp on it um, mm-hmm. that said, it does rock. Like, I yeah. had a great time watching this, and immediately it was like, it felt like, felt like it was already, like, getting out of my brain. Yeah. Because, like, it does, it does feel exactly like a dream that I barely remember. Because when I have a dream like that, there's a lot of shit where I'm like, I can't make point A connect to point B. But yeah. I remember in really vivid detail some of the wilder stuff. Like, I remember Giant Rat. I remember yes. Disco Children. Yes. <laughs> which fucking us. <laughs> I remember whole ass music video. I remember the songs. Like, the songs are... Yeah. The, the thing about these songs is, like, we talked about the, like, Oh, there was too much soundtrack going on in uh, Brain Smasher, a love story. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also that, but like the songs in this one, I think, I think they're kind of the songs in this one, like they're they like fit better. Yes, they're bad songs that try <laughs> really hard to be good songs. Yes, in a way that is like. Very fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of, like... That's kind of, like, the whole ethos of this movie. That's, like, a microcosm of this entire movie. Like, it should, like... It isn't very good. Yeah. But it's fun. This movie is impossible to hate. Yeah. Because it's... it's it, it's It's just so cute. Like, it's like, if you see, like, a kind <laughs> of, like... A kind of like ugly, like uh, street puppy, like trying right. to do a trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this, this movie has very visibly like zero budget, and yet mm-hmm. tries to do so much with it. Yes. Like it has like entire sets built out of like aluminum foil and like cardboard. Yes. It this has, movie... like, uh, fucking animatronic, like, monsters. 
It's fucking amazing. For like, it's like they put all of their budget into that giant rat yeah. animatronic because they got the Chiodo brothers for it, and like they 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 put not like they went to a they went to a thrift store. They went to a secondhand store and found like children's disco Halloween costumes and said, "We gotta do something with this. We gotta do something, dude. We gotta do something with this." <laughs> that's what a lot of it feels like, right? It feels like they had like a bunch of shit laying around, and they said, "We gotta do something with this." Yeah. And then they strung it together, and they had a lot of fun with it, which is the most important part. It's very impressive to me. That Albert Kuhn has made so many movies in so little time. When this movie yes. already feels like someone who just gets one shot at making a movie and is trying to cram like everything into it. Yeah, it feels like he won a sweepstakes to be able to win or to be able to make like Baby's first movie. Yeah. And he got a budget of like $800 maybe. And he spent 730 of it on on the giant rat animatronic. <laughs> the concept to this is really fun. It is. Uh, the idea is, this is a post-apocalypse um, where all the nukes have been detonated but one. Mm-hmm. And there is, but the key for that one is, like, nowhere to be found. But there's a key to it. And then there's these, so it's like this post-apocalypse where, this is again kind of like the Warriors, like there's like all these like criminal underground gangs and they're all like modeled after different like music subcultures. Yeah. <laughs> like there's like these disco kids, there's punks, there's Alice Coopers. <laughs> entire gang of Alice Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just just like fucking guys being freaks. Right? <laughs> and then there's these two characters, Philip and Marlo, who I still can't tell you which one is which. Oh yeah, no. Um who are these two kids who were locked up in a bunker. And all they had as entertainment were, like, these 40s pulp detective novels. Yep. So they dress and talk like pulp detectives. But they're, like, these... They're, like, these, like, really dumb, horny <laughs> kids, right? Yeah, they're yeah, they're just dumb, horny teenage boys. They're, like, I, I had, like... They're, they're, they're kind of like Beavis and Buttheads, except there's, they're like both Beavis. <laughs> yeah, you're right, yeah. Like, there isn't, <laughs> there isn't one who is, like, who is just mildly smarter than the, like, the, the idea of Beavis and Buttheads is that Butthead is, like, by 2% smarter than Beavis, and right. that makes him bully Beavis, like, constantly. <laughs> <laughs> but in this one, they're both just, like, these puppy dogs who get, like, manipulated by the idea of sex, like, really easily. Right. Right. Um, and they... 
the other thing that makes this better than uh, Brain Smasher, like a couple of things. Uh, first of all, is that Brain Smasher had like two leads who had zero chemistry, and they were both like, well, there was uh, Terry Hatcher who was just nothing, Terrible. and the Dice Man who was like currently on a really bad downward slope. Yes. Uh, and 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 that made him like not really like. I I feel like he f- like after Fort Fairlane, which was like his supposed to be his big breakout, uh cinematic breakout, in uh in Brain Smasher he was just like I, I don't think he felt like that's up to his standards, I guess, like after the mm-hmm. famous experience. In this one, I don't think either Dean Stockwell not Dean Stockwell, John Stockwell, not the famous one. Well, not the Bindly more. I don't even think Dean Stockwell and John Stockwell are related or anything. They're just, yeah. <laughs> they just have the same nest, uh, last name. Um, they have both been, like, John Stockwell and Michael Dudikoff are both, like, very prolific, like, direct-to-video uh or like B movie actor, right? Like yeah. All their credits are shit like this. Yeah. Um and they and they seem fine with it. Like they're just having mm-hmm. fun, right? Right. They're uh, they're not doing any They've got good... nothing to lose with yeah. this. They're not doing any good acting, but they're like exactly <laughs> doing the type of acting that is needed for like something like this. Exactly. This um there's so much you know you said that the movie is like a really ugly street puppy doing doing a trick yeah and that feels like like every single part of this movie has some manner of puppy to it <laughs> <laughs> this is this a puppy ass movie um like the main characters are little puppy dogs they're just like these two well-meaning horny little guys. Yeah. And um they only have this one very specific piece of media on which to base their entire outlook. And Albert Pune once again is like doing this thing where he comes so close to to having theme, uh-huh. but he once again just kind of doesn't stick the 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 landing quite yeah because at the end um so like one of the main drives that philip and marlo have is that they want to um marlo a little bit more they want to find their their dads um mar uh, marlo thinks that their dads are the people who put them in this bunker um however many years ago um and Phil is kind of like he's kind of having his doubts about it. He thinks it was just like either some guys, some villains. He thinks that maybe it's it was their dads, but their dads weren't good people. He thinks that they were put in in here for 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 shitty reasons, let's say. Um eventually they do find they do get reunited with their dads and one of them says something about like um the past doesn't matter, 
or something like that. And um, there's, I feel like there's, it's coming so close to ha- like mm. saying something with these, you know, with them having their whole thing being forties detective, yeah, fiction. But it's like you just, you just, you're falling, you're <laughs> just falling short. There's almost something there. It's, there's almost something there. Yeah, the movie literally ends in them doing a dance number. Yeah. Like like a tap dancing uh yeah. like song and dance number where uh, Yeah. I I just watched that bit again and had some really the funny lyrics. Shuffle. But I uh yeah. Uh I wonder if the lyrics are like up anywhere. Uh, I did find um the band that wrote like Yeah, so uh the main songs of like the biggest songs of this movie, um uh, Radioactive Dreams, the title track, mm-hmm. I guess, and uh, Guilty Pleasures, which is like the big middle of the movie dance number. Um, yeah. And then the song She's a Fire and When Lightning Strikes. Uh, yep. These, these are all sung by a band named Suicide and the Next. Uh, and they have, a, they have an album called Radioactive Dreams soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> that is on Spotify with like very few listens. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was like, I was like looking up if the Radioactive Dreams song exists, like if it's like anything, and uh, yeah, it's just like this, like D tier, like it's synth, like it's like like new wave band. Yeah, it's it's it sounds like it sounds like we have Pat Benatar at home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I don't yeah, need I was... another way to put it. Okay, yeah, I found it now. Uh Suicide and the Next is on Spotify. It's amazing to me that this band doesn't exist for the purposes of this movie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it that's what they should be. And they like almost do, but not quite. Yeah, they also provided two soundtracks to like other like B movies. Yeah. I don't see any of them. Like, peak chart position was on 131. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's like this kind of music that sounds like other songs you like, but it's mm-hmm. just, it just doesn't quite, you know, it doesn't quite work as a song. Yeah, it's the it's the, the, the duty-free, the, uh, yeah. the royalty-free version. <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think the Guilty Pleasure song was, like, especially... One where I was like, oh yeah, this movie rocks when that played. Because it was like <laughs> that. Yeah, it was in the middle of the movie. And it had like yeah. these shots of they were like this. Because the, the way the plot progresses basically is that first they get out of their bunkers. Uh, or mm-hmm. their bunker. And then there's like 20 minutes or so where it's like we have Mad Max at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like this like desert landscape. And they're attacked by... Uh, well, first they meet the femme fatale, uh, yep. Miles Archer, who uh, sexually manipulates one of them uh, mm. to steal the car key. You know, she takes off with the car, but accidentally leaves, like, the key to the to the nuke behind. Yep. Um, uh, it's, ju- it's like 20 minutes of skits. Yeah. <laughs> 
But it's really interesting because, like, to me, it was interesting because if you, like, scroll through on the YouTube upload of this, mm-hmm. if you do, like, the preview bar, right, where you're, you mm-hmm. have the cursor above it, for the first, mm-hmm. like, five minutes, it's all, like, this bluish tint, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we get, like, a little bit of backstory and then the scenes in the bunker. And then it's all this, like, you know, kind of muted but sunshine color tone. There's, uh, you know, there's some of these, like, wild road gangs. Uh, Some of them attack on, like, these these, uh, these motorcycles and shit. Uh, And then, like, after the, like, 30th minute where they go into this, like, underground, I don't know, what is this? Like, crime city? (laughs) Yeah, they go to Crime City. They go to Crime City. For the entire rest of it, the, like, color scheme of it is, like, this, like, noirish, like, you know, dark underground, yeah. like, kind of, like, uh, you know, sci-fi noir shit, like, Blade Runner-ish right. shit. But it's just, like, a very, like, noticeable contrast between the the Mad Maxiness and then after that, like, all the underground shit. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, the way to boil this movie down is, what if you did, what if, what if 40s detectives got isekai'd into Mad Max? (laughs) Am I wrong? Yeah. (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah, basically. And he has... This this movie counts as isekai. (laughs) They don't know what this world is. Albert Pune invented Isekai question mark? He did. <laughs> like one of those pink pieces. It uh, <laughs> where it's like uh Cone had secretly predicted 9-11 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this is my first video essay. <laughs> Guy who's only seen radioactive dreams must have like a really interesting idea <laughs> of what movies are like. <laughs> Like this is a this movie, movie that has a really wouldn't just idea of what movies are like. Yeah, this wouldn't just kill a Victorian child. Like this <laughs> movie could like fry like anyone's brain. Like yeah. show it to like show it to like one of those like TikTok. There there was like a like a piece on the New York Times about how the new generation of film critics are on TikTok, and it's all like these nineteen-year-olds who talk in like real snobbish way about like these uh about like these movies right uh but like without mm-hmm. having any like perspective like just mm-hmm. really embarrassing shit and they all have like 15 million followers it's uh it's a terrible landscape but like show one of them this movie and their brain will shut down <laughs> this movie is fucking nuts there's like i really haven't seen a movie like this yeah like, Albert Pune, I guess, loves a noir pastiche. He likes, if there's two things that this man loves, it's a noir pastiche and a whole-ass music video in the middle of a film. Those are the, those are the, the signs that you have been puned. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I really wonder how he gets these, uh... How he gets these fans, like, 
Yeah. Was he like, like Well Was um, it just like friends with them? Yeah, okay. I'm just looking at looking here on the say, Wikipedia yeah. page for Suicide and that 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 was the thing I was gonna mm-hmm. say about the Guilty Pleasure song is that it takes place in underground crime city. Right. Uh and it is like kind of diegetically, but also non like it is performed there by Suicide mm-hmm. and it is like her. Like I'm looking at it on Wikipedia, I said she had a small role as a punk rocker who performed the musical number. Uh yep. and is regarded by many fans of the film as one of its most memorable moments. <laughs> citation. <laughs> I was gonna say oh, yeah. citation, there is a citation citation from the Sydney Morning Herald from nineteen ninety eight. I don't know what this article was. But it is, you know, it is like for, you know, for, for a quote that says, a Wikipedia thing that says by many fans, it is like, yeah. it is a standout moment of the film. Like, it is, uh, it is just really cool. I certainly it's just remember it. really slickly shot. Like, you know, he learned, <laughs> he learned camera from Kurosawa, as we learned yeah. last episode. <laughs> and this is what he used it for. Yeah. <laughs> Like he can, I I think he could have, he could have become a mainstream successful filmmaker if he had been willing to go through uh, any studio process. Mm-hmm. Like if he had been willing to like go to producers, try to get a script like going, uh, maybe pick up scripts by someone else. Right? If he had done like the the normal shit that filmmakers do to get ahead in the industry. Mm-hmm. He could have like had movies that had bigger budgets, you know, someone looking over the script, uh, or like tighter, you know, just tightened up. Yeah. And he could have made some like completely average, passable, like eighties, uh, you know, movies, like action right. movies or sci-fi, like B sci-fi movies. But instead. He's just a fucking... It just feels like... I don't know if, if we said the same thing last episode. It just feels like he was compulsively making movies and he was too <laughs> impatient to wait for the studio to approve because he could make five movies at the same time by, like, yep. from a much smaller budget. <laughs> uh-huh. And if if he had gone through that whole thing, would would a movie like this have been made? No. And I don't think I don't think he would have been remembered. Like I think he would have just been like one of those like completely fine filmmakers that like maybe he would have had like one successful movie, but like Mm -hmm. nobody would have like viewed them as an author. Uh, But like through going his own way and like pushing through it and even making a ton of like shitty movies like Brain Smasher. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I guess he did like create like. A remarkable legacy. Like I think, uh, I think this is really uh, look. It's for free on YouTube, so you're not, we're not scabbing by recommending this. Like, yeah, it is a fun time. Maybe put it on with, yeah, you know, in a friend group. Uh, if you, you know, if you like to drink beers or get high, <laughs> <laughs> if you ever find yourself in a position. Where you and all your friends are saying to each other, hey, check this shit out. Yeah. And you need something to do that with, <laughs> put this movie on. It's a very, hey, check this shit out movie. It's it's exactly like, that, yeah. Like, what's your favorite shit that you checked out in this movie? 
Uh, you know, there's so many elements. Yeah, I mean the the all the animatronics were like I was uh, I was delighted that yeah, there's I was monsters not, I wasn't in this. Expecting them either, exactly, yeah. like that's what I was there's gonna creatures. say. Like, that's what I was gonna say about this movie going so hard is that it would have been no one would have said uh, why are there no like creatures in this? Why are there no puppets? You know, why is there no puppetry? <laughs> like it shows up. Like I think the first puppet shows up like an hour into the movie, right? Like it's yeah. it's not something that is like required at that point, but it makes it so much but better. Why the fuck not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why the fuck why not? Why not have a gabagool? I was gonna shout out the, the other thing that this movie does, like that Brain Smasher also does, but this movie does it better. Is having one joke that they keep doing. Uh, that is kind of a dumb joke, right? Like in this one, it's mm-hmm. that. So these guys, they're right. Like they they have read these. They've they've grown up on these fifties or forties, fifties detective pulp novels, uh, mm-hmm. w- which use the word "dick" for like a cool yep. guy detective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they keep saying, uh, like, I I'm a right dick, or like they keep saying like shit, like they keep calling themselves yeah. dicks. And everyone else yep, is I'm like, a "Cool dick, yep." I'm a dancing dick. Yeah, man, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea. And it keeps going. But the thing that the thing that says it here, in in, in comparison to the uh, we're we're not ninjas or whatever it had the that was in the last in, in Brain Smasher. The thing mm-hmm. that says it here is that they, you know, the actors really say it with like such a like they really sell the naivety. Yeah. That Philip and Marlo would have. By like yeah. being oblivious that everyone's that 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 they're saying something stupid or something laughable to others. Mm-hmm. They they have no idea, and they they never really learn either. They never really get no. that. Yeah, and and the good thing about this, the thing that makes this work better here than the the ninja thing in the last one, is that it isn't every single time they're on screen. Like, they're the main characters, yeah. they have to have other things to do, and thank god they actually do. And last time, like, the fact that it was just, like, this mob of villains, this cloud of villains, um, it meant that they needed something, and so it kept happening over and over and over again. Um, but there's stuff interspersed with it yeah. this time. Yeah, one thing that's great about this movie is that there's like everyone is against them yeah like these are these two people got let out of the bunker accidentally beavis and butthead themselves into a situation (laughs) where they have this key that they don't know what it's for and suddenly everyone Mm -hmm. wants them right yep everyone is out for them so we get to have all these we get to have the like disco punks or whatever they're called Mm-hmm. The Disco Mutants. Yeah, the Disco Mutants, right? Uh, Disco Mutants are... What should... Because I don't think this is clear to the listeners. The Disco no. Mutants are, like, ten-year-olds. It's a pair of ten-year-olds in Saturday Night Fever black-and-white disco suits. And they swear, and they have <laughs> guns, and they talk like mobsters, and they're having the best time. It rules. <laughs> They're like that's my favorite thing that I checked out. This yeah, <laughs> that's that's just such an insane like cool idea. Like 
They and they got and they get eaten by the giant gabagool. Yes, I think that I think the thing that 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 talks about them, or the thing that 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 makes them stand out, is that they're not like lovable villains. They're like pieces right. of shit. <laughs> For real, they're genuinely like shitty, terrible people. They're genuine villains. And they never have, they have, like, this one moment in the very beginning when we first meet them where they do the, hey, I'm just a little guy act. Um, yeah. But then after that, it's completely dropped. There's never another time where, like, somebody's about to kill them and they put on, like, baby face or anything like that. They're just complete villains from then on out. Um, yeah, you try it once and then everyone knows and it's, like, no point. Yeah. And the other thing that's really good about them is that, like, um... They're not constantly around. Um, there are, like, there's enough time where they're not on screen to make you go, hey, I wonder when those guys are coming yeah. back. And then they do, and it's, like, enough of them. If they were on screen more, it maybe would have gotten old, but they're they're in there, like, the right amount. Yeah, yeah, because there's, really- <laughs> there's so much other shit constantly that you kind of, like... Oh, yeah. It kind of catches you by surprise when you see them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing, we we mentioned the thing that, you said the thing earlier that it ends up with, like, their, them meeting their dads. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just them, they, they meet their dads, right? Like, they, they get held at gunpoint by these, by these, like, lizard people. Yeah. Like they they look like like it's uh it's like fucking it, the the Koopas in the Super Mario Brother movie like the it's old one. That's literally what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they look like. But then they take off their masks and it's like the dads. Uh yep. and they're kind of like these How do I describe the 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 impression that the dads make? They're kind of they're, they're like grandpas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. They're, they're like they're like not at all intimidating. Basically, like right. They're like these are the big beds. Uh, mm-hmm. they're like uh, they're like the wizard in Wizard of Oz, kind of. Like yeah, it's a similar yeah, uh, similar thing. Um, and like yeah, ta- and doesn't then... he takes he takes the mask off and he's like, hey, sport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it is and it gives you so the just moment take that where and extend it to the entire character it gives you the moment where the where one of them is like oh pop like mm-hmm. one of them is like like they're they're pretty believable shitty dads i guess right mm-hmm. yeah like the way they come across like they're the type of like shitty people who are like when one like a stranger sees them right they're just like completely unassuming like these these nice fellas, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, like I fucking remember how the how the plot gets resolved. I know, I don't know. There's a it's dance just number. like a big Yeah, it's like <laughs> like it's and I just watched it last night. So they meet the dads, they take off the reptile masks, there's a reveal, and then Action happens. And then the dads are dying. <laughs> yeah, the actual action scenes, like the shootouts and shit, they're very hard to follow. 
They are. And I don't know whether it's because it's just shot like shit. Um, yeah, the upload is also... The, and like, I don't know if... Yeah, I don't know if it's just the quality of movie man rare and hard to find movies. Um, no, there's, there's, there's other uploads. Like, this was... There's no official release of this. Uh, mm-hmm. It was... Uh, yeah, it was only released on VHS. Yeah. Um, not It has not been officially released on DVD in the US. It says there is a rare German Region 2 Special Edition DVD, uh, including the soundtrack CD and is limited to 1,000 copies. So basically, like, getting hold of a better quality version of it is currently impossible. This is, you know, this is a movie that would really deserve, like, some sort of like remaster or re-release. Yeah. Like I don't think it needs to be like cleaned up to look like. It could stand to be cleaned up because I can't tell. What it the needs fuck to be yeah. It needs to be a little bit dusted off. I don't think it's. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be the needs the full like Criterion 4K right. Right, right. Um, but, like, but yeah, if you to want people to. If you want your viewers to understand what's going on, yeah, it would be good to see and be able to hear what uh, what's happening. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. but yeah, like uh, just looking at the Wikipedia summary here, um, it says um, they uh, literally just says uh, the bosses of the child gangsters are in fact Philip and Marlowe's fathers. Before he dies, Philip Fata tells him that the past does not matter. In the end, the only gangster left is sta- left standing is Miles. So I guess it's just like somehow they're just a shootout and uh, the deads all die. Miles Archer, who was the like femme fatale, who has the keys, uh, still alive, uh, but she shoots at them. Missy startles Marlowe into shooting and killing her. And then they decide that from here on, I don't know what happens to the fucking keys, though. <laughs> well, I remember because he does. Yeah, he does like a he does like a monologue. Yeah, where he says that he, uh, he hid the keys. He didn't destroy them because they might need another nuke someday. Mm-hmm. Which is like feels like the opposite of what's happening in any other movie that involves nukes for the <laughs> <Yeah>. time period. <laughs> no, I. T- to me, this like just from a like meta perspective, or from from a like, you know, why did they make it like this in the movie perspective? Because I don't think it makes sense, like in the internal logic of the movie, to keep the keys to nukes in a post-apocalyptic right. <laughs> world where there's only one nuke left. Like the exact line that this quotes here on Wikipedia, it says, uh, "You never know, in a Tigerma nuclear missile just might come in handy." So, I think the idea was maybe to do a sequel eventually. Yeah. So there's a sequel hook, right? That the keys are still Keep out. Open, Albert. Um, that did not happen. However, what did happen is that it inspired Fallout. I guess. <laughs> I fucking guess. According to Wikipedia, like the the, the like it says the the video game Wasteland was heavily inspired by Radioactive Dreams and Fallout was then, like, made by the same, like, company uh, and it was, like, intended as a sequel, or a spiritual sequel to to Wasteland and then, of course, became um, its own thing. Its own thing. So, thank you. 
all of you Fallout heads listening. Yeah, it seems like Albert Pune. <laughs> it seems like it has like these private eye type characters in the original wasteland, so maybe it was like actually like more directly inspired by uh radioactive dreams. Who knows? Yeah. And it's, like I know uh, Fallout has like some retro type of shit in yeah. it. Um I mean it does we all know this. It's just hard to tell at this point like how much the aesthetic of this movie is like derivative of all sorts of other like 80s B sci-fi and how much yeah. it like actually uh you know was a blueprint for other stuff. Right. I, I think it is yeah. it is unique enough like you see you see it stealing like shit from everywhere but it is unique oh, enough yeah. the twist of them being these old-timey private eyes I don't think that's a common thing and mm-hmm. uh you know that gives it just like enough of a of an additional um of an additional edge i guess to other than all the other yeah. insane shit mm-hmm. but yeah they decide to keep the key uh one of them has like a minor uh like low-key love interest rusty mars who at the beginning does an anime betrayal but then it turns out that she's also controlled by the or like being held captive by the evil guys and he's like uh, one of them is philip is philip says uh i will find her and see if i can repair my relationship with her so i guess that's another sequel tease <laughs> that yeah. doesn't i don't need to like i think you know with fort Fairlane who said uh this this should have a sequel or a bunch of sequels mm-hmm. With this one, I think I'm good with having it open-ended. Yeah. You know, I think it's just... I don't think anyone can replicate this. Like, I don't think now that Albert Pune is not uh, among us anymore, I don't think in the current Mm -hmm. landscape this can be. Because if someone made it now, it would be, like, super ironic, right? They would make make it, like, tongue-in-cheek, winking at the audience. Yeah, if somebody made this now, fuck that. Like, it'd be so bad. It would be cringe. It would be so fucking cringe. Because I think I'm also, so, like, today everyone can make a movie movie on no budget, right? Right. Like, I think it had a time anybody, and space. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, you, anybody can make a movie nowadays, but it's not the same as... It doesn't have the same energy as... You know, somebody in 1985 getting, like, his friend group together and saying, let's make a movie, yeah. you know, and, and pooling their money and going to the thrift store <laughs> and getting their friend's band to do the soundtrack, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, this is, uh, this is a complete, this movie has. complete aside, but that's why I got, like, I wouldn't say genuinely mad because I don't really care. But did you did you hear that Kevin Smith made Clerks 3 last year? No. So he made Clerks 3, right? Um and the the idea behind Clerks 3 is that um Dante and whatever the name of the other guy is Randall. Randall, Dante and Randall are like many years after Clerks are making the movie of their own youth when they were clerks. And basically it's supposed to be a meta text that at the end, you know, they do like on a no budget thing, they do clerks basically. 
But the thing that doesn't work about the thing that makes this fucking infuriating that Kevin Smith sees that as a good idea, like I think it just really speaks to like what a fucking I don't know. Because the way clerks I, I it just it's just it's 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 honestly kind of sad. It's honestly kind of sad that uh Kevin Smith has so little perspective on his own work. Yeah. Because the way clerks especially the original is that he got it made from no budget, shot on like fucking VHS tape, uh, shot in black and white because it was cheaper to light with like Mm -hmm. no actors. And it's about these like types of characters that you didn't really see in movies at all around that time. It's about these like Mm -hmm. video store nerds. Um, right. It's about this like demographic that at that point had like no mainstream representation, right? Mm-hmm. Doing that now, like everyone, like nerds are fucking everywhere, right? Because because thanks because thanks to him, like thanks to Tech Kevin Smith, like it's thanks to the success of Clerks in like 1991 or whatever. Like it was like a yep. huge fe- indie festival, like sleeper hit, right? And it changed, mm-hmm. like, it is genuinely, like, one of those movies that changed in the movies forever. Yep. Today, everyone has the technology to make movies. Everyone can put it on YouTube. Yep. And there's nothing, like, original about the story of, like, Dante and Randall today. Right. Like, setting that in present te- day as, like, a kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, this is actually about me, how I made Clerks, just, like, is fundamentally so misguided and that's the yeah. thing about like radioactive dreams as well is like, and, and it feels like albert pune had a much better perspective on his work like he was just like yeah i just made all these movies like who cares yeah <laughs> like it it has a time and space and it's right i think today the only like the only like outsider art like this is from like people who are genuine like psychotic weirdos like Neil Breen. Like you have to have you have to be someone with an outlook on the world and on yourself and on like art that is so alien from everything that that's like the document of that becomes like unique and fascinating. Yeah. If you're someone who yeah. if you're someone who has seen radioactive dreams and wants to make another one or a sequel or whatever you're already to the type of person who is already like very represented in like from it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that was my Kevin Smith rant. <laughs> <laughs> that was a covert <laughs> Neil Breen rant, actually. I but think you're like, right, like I think like on it's hard to say because I have seen like almost every Neil Breen movie as well, except the first one. Mm-hmm. I think I I I still like enjoy. A, a Neil Breen movie more than like the average Kevin Smith. Like I, I like Clerks, <laughs> but I don't think his like everything after that is like very uninteresting to me. You you've seen Tusk, mm-hmm. so yeah, <laughs> I sure have seen Tusk. Don't gotta remind me I've seen Tusk. I think there's two things we could watch for the next one. Logically, okay. uh, we could watch Meet the Apple Gates, or we could watch The Adventures of Galgamesh. I need to see The Adventures of Galgamesh. Yeah, I. Uh, I I I thought so. <laughs> I don't care about Meet the Apple Gates anymore. I don't give a shit about Meet the Apple Yo, Gates fuck anymore. the Apple Gates. 
Fuck the Applegates. <laughs> Fuck a old Applegate. I don't need that. Talk about some old Applegate. No, I need to see The Adventures of Galgameth. I need to see it in two weeks because next weekend is loaded for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well. You know, you know what the fuck it is. We'll is see you with Galgameth then. This is uh, absolutely a movie even less people want us to watch than any of the previous <laughs> ones. Um, but you know what? <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> this is what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah. Tough. Take it up with God. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, this is... only one time. But since uh-huh. since Twitter seems to be like even more going down the drain than it previously has been, I guess follow me on Blue Sky. It's uh, <laughs> Janos.BlueSky.Social. J A N O S. That's my name. And you know, maybe that one will. Currently, I'm not posting anything because nobody's fucking there. But I, <laughs> after the after the current development, I don't think I want to be on Twitter ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is easily the worst thing that could possibly happen. Yeah. This is the stupidest thing I have ever seen. Um, I also keep seeing yeah. like other than other than the obvious thing, uh, Twitter also keeps like pushing the newest bit of transphobia to me <laughs> like Every it's honestly honestly not good for your brain to like read that shit cuz it's always so like it's addictive to look at that shit cuz it's like uh oh my god they found an other fucking angle to be awful anyway fucking <laughs> i got two ads <laughs> Two separate ads yesterday for the Epoch Times. After I blocked the first one. Right. Why you can't block Um, the first one? (laughs) Fucking whatever. I'm also on Blue Sky. I just set up my 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 account, so nothing's there. I can't even access this shit to like set up my profile. Oh, currently it's. Um, I think there's like four people working at Blue Sky, and everyone is jumping ship from Twitter. So I think they're like really overloaded currently. Yeah. Um but I'm on there, I'm fuck warlock. I'm Lop Nui on Tumblr. Um I'm trying to I'm trying to do the thing where every time a post like comes to my brain I go to Tumblr to, to make it instead of Twitter. Um Yeah. So I, I do have posts there. Uh what the fuck else? I don't know. Um, this is my last podcast as a 34-year-old. The next time I podcast, <laughs> I will no longer be able to say that I'm in my early 30s. It makes me sick. Yeah, you're gonna be mid. <laughs> Tomorrow's my birthday, and it makes me gonna sick. gonna be mid-30s for a few for a while. That's fucking foul. <laughs> <sighs> well, uh, check out... Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> shout out Hated and Feared, Hated X Feared, uh, my excellent podcast again, because that's my new one. I... All, all my other ones are doing doing well, but you can also listen to Watches the Watch and uh, Song of Babies and Puppies. Those are those are still going, uh, still still great, still going strong. But you know, the new one still needs to uh, get the word out. So. Yeah, um, it's got uh, 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 
competitor of the Roy League Kiwi in it. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. Um, <laughs> I hear, hey, speaking of Roy League, Caroline has joined. I know. And Caroline, yeah, me and Caroline and Kay were trying to do everything in our power to get you to join. Yeah, maybe next time. But it just wasn't. <laughs> Maybe next time, yeah. No, fantasy football um, also starts now, and that's taking up all yeah, my, yeah. Uh, all my. Uh, I still one uh, of these days. Energies. Yeah, one of these days I am gonna podcastfully explain to you Pokemon. It will happen. Um. Yeah. But. One day. Yeah. Hey, and I'm I'm the champ right now, so you'll be learning w- from the best. When you're I'm in saying. your mid thirties. <laughs> When you're mid thirties, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's podcast. All right, that was that was sicker than the yeah, but um, of yeah. I hope you liked the show. Uh, <laughs> oh, Nick was recommending. Nick is also in your league, I think. Uh, they're also on yeah. uh, on Hidden Fear. Uh, they were recommending sicker than but at the end of the last episode. So. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh yeah, listen to Zato Trap House. That's the only other podcast I'm doing right now. With any kind of regularity. Alright, bye! Alright, bye!